Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all stuff leader-related. We are now on episode number eight. These are definitely flying by, and I love bringing great guests on here to just chat about leadership stuff, stories, examples, leadership principles, and today we have a fantastic guest. Uh, I've been working with this person. I've actually, we were just talking about how long we've known each other. It's been almost 20 years that I have known Renee Sherman. I met her back at Ameriprise Days, and she was uh, had a fantastic uh, experience and successful track record in leadership, so we'll get into all that. But she is down in sunny Florida, enjoying a little bit of the nice warm weather. So welcome, Renee Sherman. Thanks, John. Thank you. Pleasure so to glad to be you. here with you. Our pleasure. Good to My see pleasure. you. Good to see you, too been a while so so, uh, so Renee I, I want I'd love to start with just your story because um, you have a really interesting one uh, you started as an advisor in financial services and then you had all kinds of great success and then moved into leadership but take us back you know t- tell us the story about how you got into into the business and and tell us a little bit about your background hmm Well, um, I got into financial services because I really felt like um, the more you know, the better off you'll be. And I felt that I could really help people make good financial decisions. I didn't even think I was in sales, actually, um, until um, a few years later when I realized that, um, you know, we were in the business of helping people make good decisions. Um, I spent about 10 years, um, just under 10 years as an advisor, and then I got approached to go into leadership. Um, I had a background actually from my earlier years in a a prior career um, managing people, Uh, but this was different because I was going from being an advisor, being a peer, to being a leader of a very uh, large footprint of advisors. Um, So that that posed some challenges that I, uh, as I think back, um, you know, how do you transition from being a peer to then being responsible for and in charge of that many people? So I, and that, I want to talk about that because that's a really unique experience, but let me ask you, was there a time, did you always know you wanted to be a leader or did that just, when you got tapped on the shoulder, that was the first time you really thought about it? Hmm, that's funny. Um, no, I've never been really a good backseat driver, so to speak. You know, and I've thought about that over the years. Um, you know, did it, this just happen to me or did I seek, seek out leadership? Um, and I, you know, I think back to being just even a teenager and, um, you know, leading. Uh, I had a very interesting, um, you know, childhood upbringing and background um, and I think it just made me a little bit different along the way. Um, when I was 12 years old, we decided to, my, my parents decided it would be a great idea to move to um, Beirut, Lebanon. <laughs> and uh, it's where my father was, 
was from. He was born there and he always wanted to go back. So we sold everything we owned and, and moved. And so I found myself in a very different place, literally, uh, on the other side of the world, um, people speaking a language that I didn't understand and a culture that I was very unfamiliar with. And I, I just, um, I learned to get some strength from within to just sort of adapt and thrive. And so I would say that's probably when I started to um, really become what I, what I believe is my leadership skills or, or um, background today. Wow. So just, that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I've, I grew up and moved and switched schools, which is tough enough, but you moved to a whole different country. Was that the first time you'd been to Lebanon? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Most definitely. And it was with just, um, you know, a couple suitcases and, um, yeah, cause we had, it wasn't a temporary move. It was let's sell everything we own and move to the Middle East. Wow. How did you feel about that? Were you just dreading that or were you open to it or oh, how did you feel going? No, I mean, 12, 13 years old, you're not open to anything. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about myself at 12 to 13. I don't want to do anything different. <laughs> stay the path. Um, you know, it was, it was um, just shocking more than anything, but I found myself adapting easy, easily. Um, you know, I just emerged, um, immersed myself in the school and in the culture. And, um, you know, I found myself at um, 12, 13 years old, hailing cabs to go across, across town, um, somehow managing to speak the language. So I, I guess as I think back to being, um, you know, a young girl, young woman, that um, really how you handle the situation is 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 up to you that um, my brothers were not happy with the situation at the time. And um, I just dove straight in. Wow. How long did it take you to feel like you adapted? I mean, it must've been just incredible culture shock. How long did it take you before you felt like, okay, I'm, I'm comfortable. Um, you know, as I think back, I would, I would say it's, um, was six months to maybe a year. Um, like any change, uh, you talk about leadership and change, like any change at first you, you have to become comfortable with the people that you're, that, you know, your surroundings before you can really start getting in front of it. And I think, I think, um, you know, I think back to the very many situations I've been put in that, uh, are significant, um, ch change environments or, um, you know, where, where I've been asked to change a culture, change an environment, change a structure, re reorganize. I think it takes just a little bit of time usually to kind of assess everybody and understand what you can push on, what you can really impact, where you can make your biggest impact. Well, it's interesting because, and, and you and I were talking about this earlier, that I, I've always thought that of you, that you've you were always and always have been an exceptional leader when it came to change leadership. You know, I mean, obviously the only constant thing in life is change. You, uh, you do it exceptionally well. Did that, do you think some of that came from your experience and going to Lebanon so early and going through that much change and adapting to that I yourself? Think, yeah, I think so. Um, 
you know, it's hard to pinpoint exactly um, what impact each thing has in your life. Um, and I've always thought about all of the circumstances as things that you gather and you get to put into your sort of um, bag, your, your toolkit that you carry around. It's part of you. And you can't take any of it away because it's, it's who you are. It's who you become. Um, you know, all of those experiences and circumstances are who you become. And what you have to do is, is learn to use them um, to your advantage. So I do think that had a big impact on me. Um, how could it not? Mm-hmm. Um, but then everything else keeps adding on. And so to me, each one is, a, is an opportunity. Nothing's a mistake. They're all opportunities to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself of that um, every day, especially today, mm-hmm. uh, because of the current circumstances we find ourselves living through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a test of everybody's uh, mental strength and emotional competency for sure. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. So, so you were in, and I've seen you be thrown into really tough situations before. And your first leadership, formal leadership experience, as far as I, I know, was level 10 difficulty. I mean, uh, you know, I, I certainly was there to see it. But why don't you share a little bit about that? What was that like? And and just share with maybe the audience what, what you actually went through in that first leadership experience. Um, so I, I, I went from being, um, an, as, as we said, an advisor from uh, our peers. And this was actually not my first um, formal management leadership experience. You know, as I thought back, I was, I was probably ready for that because I had done it in, my, in a prior career before financial services. It was actually in the restaurant business where, you know, I, I found myself, when I came back to the United States, I found myself needing to support myself. And, um, you know, what, what way do you do that as a, as a you know, uh, trying to get through college, go into the restaurant business. So I found myself in the restaurant business and very quickly went into management and, be, and became an assistant manager and then a general manager. So I was a general manager of a very large um, restaurant establishment uh, when I was 23 years old. So I, I guess, you know, you say, was leadership always there? It probably was. Um, and uh, there, at the time, there was 150 employees. And I, I, you know, if you think about it, it would be daunting. But I just, you know, I knew the job. I respected the people. And so I could, I learned to handle very challenging situations. I'll bet. Um, so as 23 years old, you were leading over 150 people. I was. Wow. <laughs> That's incredible. I was. I was. Um and again, at the time, it didn't seem like much um, because it was just sort of the track I had been on. I was resilient. I was. Um, I came back from the Middle East, and I had um, sort of a new sense of. Um, I'm going to say value. Valued um, how we got to live here, the freedoms that we had. Um, I really valued. I, I understood that there's no entitlement but there's absolutely no entitlement. And I think that was one of the underlying driving forces of my being is that nobody owes you anything. You have to deliver value. And so in that environment, I, I knew how to deliver value. Um, so I got thrown into a very difficult situation. I'll give you, I'll give you two of them. That, uh, in that business, I was thrown into uh, a circumstance of uh, a restaurant, uh, one of the uh, restaurants in the group that we that I had uh, been working for, 
had um, an issue that caused them to close for a period of time. And they needed somebody to go in and reopen. It was a very large establishment at the time. And so they asked me to go into this very adversarial situation and handle it and um, get it back up and running. And so I think back to you know, challenging situations, and that was uh, one of my very first enormous uh, challenging situations that I recall in business. Um, fast forward to when you and I met in financial services, now I'm uh, an advisor for about a decade, and I was asked to take over and lead the um, advisor channel, the independent advisor channel in the area. And the one thing I, I think I was able to gain respect from my peers was because they knew I knew their role and how difficult it was. And I'd always put their hat on. So every situation I walked into, every time we went to, um, you know, uh, most people don't want to have their time wasted. So I would be very respectful and think beforehand of how could I use their time to, 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 to their very best advantage? What message, what can I give them that they would go out and make it worth their time to have come to a meeting and listened to me? And so I started to bring them together so they could uh, share ideas with each other. I just instinctively knew that uh, if people wanted to get better, they could get better through having relationships and learning from each other. And so I brought small groups together so and I got them to help each other. So your focus was trying to provide value to them. That was what was top of mind for you. Uh, and I get questions all the time from people wondering that thing with that, that situation where somebody gets promoted and they go from being peer to a leader is really tough for a lot of people. Hmm. And some people do it very well. Some people it's a disaster. Uh, and I get a lot of questions about that. So what, what, what's, what's the rule on what not to do? I mean, you've seen a lot of people get promoted from peer to leader. What were you conscious of maybe not trying to do? You were trying to provide value, but what's the do nots? Hmm. Um, that's a good one. Um, okay. I think the do not is um, when you transition from being a peer to being their leader, what they don't want from you is they don't want you to go and, uh, and be their, I'm going to quote, quote, manager. So, I'll give you an example. I'll give you a little quick story, and this will make sense. Um, we were dropping our, our our younger son off to college uh, a few years back. My kids are adult adult uh, grown men today. Beautiful too. Um, and we were dropping him off at college, and they were prepping the uh, the parents um, to let their kids grow up a little bit, and they said. Um, there's three ways of parenting style and this you can apply to business. And I have shared this with many uh, a leader and it, it, and, it, and it just brings a bell. There's dictator, manager, and consultant. So think about it. When your children are little, you need to be a dictator. You have to tell them what to do, get dressed, go to bed, eat your supper. You have to tell them what to do. When you hire a new employee, you need to tell them what to do. They don't know what to do. Then as your children become a little bit older, you can become a manager of them. 
So a manager tells somebody the job and then lets them go do it. So you tell your children what's expected and then you, you, you're there to catch them from failing. You're there to make sure that they succeed, but you don't do it for them. You don't be a dictator, but you tell them what, what has to get accomplished and then you have to um, make certain that it gets done. That's a manager. Now, if you're still a dictator to your children when they get older, they won't listen to you. Because you can't be telling your high schooler, go to, you know, brush your teeth, go to bed, what to eat. They, they'll shut you out. And so they, he made the transition and said, you're now bringing your children to college. You need to become their consultant. If you're still trying to dictate or manage, they will not tell you what's going on in their lives. So become their consultant. That's what they need from you now. So apply that to um, people and leadership. The way I was successfully able to transition from being a peer to being a leader, and I didn't know it at the time because my children were not <laughs> that old yet, is that you needed to become, you needed to transition to being a consultant with them. They weren't looking for you to be a peer and now you know, put them in the corner and punish them as a manager, you needed to become a consultant. So I learned very quickly the difference between managing and leading. Um, and that's where I had my success. I was able to bring them value. I was able to introduce them to um, uh, programs that would improve their, their businesses. And for that, I got respect. I, think, I love how you put that with dictator and manager and consultant. That's a really great way to look at it, right? And that's that's a, a similar to, sounds like, situational leadership where you've got to apply different types of leadership um, and at different points. I think a lot of people think, okay, I flipped the switch. I'm now in a role and now I'm a leader. Well, that's not the case, maybe on paper, but a leader is someone who influences others and that requires credibility and trust and relationship and all kinds of things. And that takes time. And it sounds like you recognize that you didn't come in and, you know, tell everybody what to do. You provided value. And you know, what I remember is you, you walked into, I don't remember the details, but you can share, but it was a major turnaround situation. I mean, it wasn't, you were not taking over a uh, from happy. what I remember, a happy, <laughs> thriving, successful group, you were taking over a really difficult situation. Yet at the same point, you did a masterful job of turning it around into one of, if not the top in the country. Um, so tell us about that and how, what goes into doing that? Well, you said a couple of the key words that I think were most important and that is credibility and trust. Um, and value would be, you know, top of the list of things that, again, if you if you want to get people um, to move in a direction that you want them to move in, um, you, those things have to be present. I'll, I'll give you another sort of analogy that I use in my head. It's um, what's the name of those uh, uh, boats? Dragon boat. It's a dragon boat, you know, a dragon boat, a very long boat with a lot of people in it. They're very narrow. Mm -hmm. And there's um, a person in the front and there's a person in the back. And one of them has a drum and they beat the drum and the other one gives the command. And so you think of, I don't know how many people are in these. There might be 20 people all trying to row. Now, if they go if they row at the same time, they go really, really fast. 
but without the direction, they're all going to be rowing differently and they may not even move forward at all. They might just sort of stay, you know, one person's rowing one speed, the other one's rowing backwards. So they get stuck. When you have a leader that can put paint um, vision, can communicate, can set expectations, um, can build credibility and trust, you get people moving in a direction. And when you get people moving in a direction, what I found is that momentum really starts to carry. So think about that boat. So once it's moving, it can go faster and faster because they all are going in the same direction. Without direction, that's leadership. Um, leaders need to lead. They need to be in the front. They need to set the vision. And if you can't do that, people will be left to create their own vision. And if they're left to create their own vision, they're all going to be rowing in, 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 in a different pace. Mm. And, and quite frankly, they just won't, won't get anywhere. So um, that's really what I went in and did is I, I, I painted a vision of, a, of a, a business model that would be beneficial to everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I'm good at, at um, pushing off discouragement. Um, I'm, I'm a resilient person and I, I try to show other people how to do the same. Push off discouragement and, and be resilient and go forward. So one of the things you said, a few things that stuck out. One is, is vision. In your opinion, do you think most leaders are, are, are great or have a, uh, a great vision and communicate that? Do you think that's an opportunity? I mean, what, what do you, what do you think in regards to vision? Um, real leaders, real leaders, like there's a lot of people that are in leadership or management that I wouldn't call uh, leaders. Um, but a real leader absolutely can set vision when, when there is no vision. Like um, you said, I took over a, a challenging situation, which, which I, I hate to say I can count past my hands how many times I've been thrown in a situation and asked to change it, change the culture, reorganize, um, I think a, um, a, a leader has got to set the vision even when it hasn't been given to them. So sometimes it's unclear uh, and you still need to set that vision so that people can follow you to get through. Uh, I mean, we can take, we can take what we're living through right now. Um, you know, it's uh, April of, of, of 2020, <laughs> April 7th of 2020. I don't know if everybody knows the date that we're recording this, but we're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic across the world. Um, we can do this, but we need, we need to, you know, start with ourselves. Um, you know, it can be isolating. It can be daunting. Um, you know, I, I, I've been getting up in the morning, trying to get myself dressed to go to work, you know, uh, walk down the hallway in my house into a secluded room and go to work, but it's, um, it's the way I'm leading me through it. Uh, so sometimes it's as simple as creating the vision and sometimes it's, it's no more, no more complicated than just left foot, right foot. When you don't, when you don't know what direction to go in, you still need to paddle forward. So let me ask you, so the, the left foot, right foot, I love that. That's such a good way to just think about it. You got to put the left foot in front of the right foot. Where did you get that from? Or how did you get that mindset? 
Well, um, I found myself in a very challenging situation a few years ago. I was leading a very large organization. Uh, we were having a great year. Uh, and um, I got a personally devastating phone call that um, came out of the blue, quite frankly, that a doctor called me and said, Renee, you have breast cancer. And, um, you know, that floors you for a moment. Uh, and, and I really, really, I made a decision, quite frankly, to just lead through it because I felt like um, my team, it was a large team at the time. We had just done a turnaround and the best thing that I could do, nobody could help me with my situation. The best thing that I could do was to keep everybody on track. I was the leader. I needed to lead that group. And if I became the focal point of needing everybody's support, then I wasn't going to be able to lead through it. So I really just, in my head, would get up and I would say, um, left foot, right foot. I, I would um, have to climb these stairs uh, every day. We have to go through radiation treatments. And um, instead of taking the elevator up to the floor that I needed to go to, I noticed that there was a side stairwell. And so I started to take the stairs each day. And I was dressed for work in my suit, ready to go. It was early morning. And I started to climb the stairs because I didn't want to wait with the other people. <laughs> I wanted to just tell myself, you can do this. And I started to climb the stairs and I'd play the Rocky song in my head. And I would just say left foot, right foot. And I found myself starting to go two steps at a time. And then I challenged myself to run up those steps each day. So I think I, that's where I got the left foot, right foot from. And, um, the, the, I'm going to go back to leadership on this one. My role at that time was to be a leader and maybe not the right decision for other people to make at the time, but it was the way that, that I was able to continue to carry the organization and get through it myself personally by just not sharing and continuing to just left foot, right foot. Wow. I can't even imagine that. And uh, I, I'm, so sorry to hear about that. I, I, I'm glad to hear things are good, and you are, you are in, uh, you're in great health. So congrats. That's fantastic. Thank but you. wow, I cannot imagine that. That's so. To, so to keep that in is tough enough, and just and with everything else going on. But that just one foot in front of another is what kept you going each day. Is that that how you did it? Yeah. That, that is, and it was really, I just kept thinking about the team that I was leading and um, and that they just needed me to lead. And not, again, nobody, nobody can help at that particular point in time. Nobody can help you with it. Um, it has to come from within. So I, I just, I, I dug down deep and I made the decision that this would be something that I needed to get through. Uh, I have shared with very few people, apparently until now, um, that, but, but I, I always knew it would be something I would be willing to share and could share in a, in a different point in time if it could help somebody get through a situation. You know, I'm, re, I'm relying on some of that today to get through this, reminding myself I got through that. I, I can get through, um, you know, the next month if, if I have to of um, keeping myself motivated and healthy um, here in, you know, 
a beautiful home. So we all have it in us, John. We all have it in us. We just have to find it. Mm -hmm. Well, and obviously you came out that much stronger uh, mentally and physically. And, you know, I think that that's a reminder that, and I'm sure the people that were close to you during that time probably would never have guessed uh, because you, you do hold it together so well. And it's a reminder that there are a lot of people dealing with some severe struggles and issues, and sometimes you don't know and what they're going through. And a lot of people listening to this are going through things that they may not have shared with other people. And that's really good and, and a ray of light to hear that from you. And I appreciate you sharing that. I know that's not easy to do, but I think that's helpful for other people to, to hear how you did it and you made it through and yeah. you're not a stronger person. I do hope it helps. And I, and I, um, I think I believed at one time that that's why I would share is that it would help um, somebody else or others get through a situation. Um, like I said, we, we all, we all have it uh, within us to do this. Um, and that's where I got the phrase from that meant so much. All I need is within me now. You know, you just remind yourself, all I need to have a great day is within me now. Mm-hmm. And you lead yourself. Yeah. That's a, that's a Tony Robbins. I got to credit him with some of that. Mm-hmm. That's a Tony Robbins thing <laughs> between him and um, um, John Maxwell. I love John Maxwell and leadership. He's I just do too. Wonderful. Yeah, that's uh, two two phenomenal inspirations. And, you know, they give you the quotes, but you put meaning to it and it becomes yours. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, any other people that have been significant influences for you, either people, celebrities like a John Maxwell or Tony Robbins or uh, or others? You know, I've thought about I thought about that over the years is, you know, who do why? who do I credit some of my successes and my leadership with? Um, and it was people taking, uh, believing in me, you know, giving me an opportunity. As I said, at 23 years old, like just giving me, believing in me enough to give me the opportunity so that I could, that I could shine. Um, and that happened to me at different periods of time. And I think back to um, different bosses that I had that basically said here and, and then, Renee, do it, and then got out of the way. And I say that in the most respect. Like, um, I believe in you. I trust you. Now go do. And um, that's how I learned. And I think that's how I try to lead today is letting people understand I'm here. You know, I I move very quickly from dictator, manager to consultant. And sometimes I can skip all the way and go straight to consultant and just be there to help them form vision, help them you know, develop themselves. It's really rewarding. It's what, it's what makes me feel good today. So let me ask you, because this is an incredibly difficult time for a lot of people. I mean, everybody it's, it's a stress test in every way possible. You're, you're, you know, mentally for a lot of people, financially, physically, um, how do you do that? I mean, you, 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 that's another thing you are, excellent ad I've observed I mean you manage yourself and you keep positive are there things that you do or the things that you say to yourself are there routines that you have how do you do it yeah um, well it isn't always easy um, there's some days where I too want to just say uh, I find myself walking in circles a little bit um, 
but I do have a few things I say to myself. Um, well, I'm a fan of a few people. Um, let's see. Um, today's phrase that I wrote down, and I did just write it down this morning, um, was be all you can be and do all you can do. So I think this is an opportunity. We have a time in front of us that, that um, is either going to be wasted away or a gift. Um, it's a, it, it, uh, I hope we don't see this again in our lifetime, but right now for a period of time, we have more time on our hands. So I would like to, I am using the time to try to look for ways that I can come out of this um, in a better place. So let's say you've got at least three weeks that we know of right now that we're, we're going to be in this current situation. You can change habits in three weeks. You can learn, you can learn something new in three weeks. Um, so I, I do have a few phrases I say. One is be all you can be, do all you can do. Um, and the other one is um, all I need is within me now. Excellent. You know, it, it, and again, we were talking about this earlier. If, if people don't come out of this and growing in some way, they will look back on this and regret it big time, right? Because it's yeah. a period of time that's so unique. You know, if we've all said, hey, I wish I could do this or, you know, take a new language or, or uh, take up a new hobby or read more or write more or, or invest in my own development. And time has been a major obstacle for most people. Hey, I got a crazy schedule. I got all, you know, but everybody now has more time. Most people right. do, even if it's, say, you don't have your commute anymore. Uh, many of us have many extra hours in the day. Um, so there's no excuse to not invest in your growth, right? That's critical. I mean, you could come out yeah. of this a, a, a really vastly different person, even after you a couple could. of months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one way or another, we all are going to come out of this a vastly different person. Yeah, definitely. When definitely. you think about it, yeah, it's just it's the choice is ours, and mm -hmm. I am grasping that choice. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it leads me to something else that I've sort of had in my head for years. Um, I got this. I got this from somebody about twenty years ago, and it it just resonated with me, and uh, it fit perfectly with, I believe, who, who I am, um, but he could put it into words. And he said, uh, he said to me, if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm -hmm. So, you know, learn something, do something. If you're not growing, think about it. It's true. It's true physically. It's true mentally. So I've always tried to figure out how to keep growing, um, whether it's, um, trying to stay physically fit, whether it's trying to, uh, you know, get a designation, whether it's trying to learn something. I've always tried to do that. And I find when I plateau, it's because I stopped learning. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I didn't take on another challenge. I didn't do something to make myself better. Mm -hmm. you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, and that's, you grow in all kinds of different ways, right? I mean, that's, that's, you can, uh, grow, grow mentally, emotionally, physically, um, just expand your knowledge, expand your contacts, relationships, spiritually, you know, all kinds of different yep. ways you can do it. Yep. Yeah. Right. All the stuff that you always think, you know, if I had time, I would. And now guess what? Tell yourself, I have the time I will. Yeah. 
Right, exactly. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. I have the time I will. <laughs> I've written down three already, so I've got I've got the Renee Sherman quote book building up here. Oh, you do? Oh, I got, I got a few more. Left foot, right foot. There's some days you just have to tell yourself, do it. Yeah. Left foot, right foot. Well, you do. I mean, it's as simple as that sometimes. You know, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day about motivation and you know, sometimes we all we all struggle at times with motivation. Um, and sometimes the best way to get motivated, you just start doing it. You start doing a task and then you start to slowly become motivated to do more of it. But you've almost got to go in robot mode some days, right? That's I mean, right. I, I, I remember making phone calls I didn't want to make. I had to, and I always use the uh, Nike, just do it, where I almost had to disconnect my brain from my body and just force my arm to go grab the phone and dial the number. And, you know, sometimes right. you literally have to do that. Put yourself yeah. into the, you know, task that you're trying to do. You know? Yep, yep. I mean, there's days where it's, where, you know, I have very carefully thought out, you know, what am I going to do to help this group move forward? And then there's other days where I get up and, and I tell myself, um, it's time to make the donuts. Do you remember that this is an old... Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> Remember, it's an old uh, Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. It's from uh, you know those of us that lived in the Northeast and and um, know what Dunkin' Donuts is. But it, it, the guy would get up in the dark at four a.m. or three a.m. and he'd just say with his eyes closed, "Time to make the donuts." Mm. Um, and I I would laugh in the morning. Some mornings I would put my feet on the ground and I would say, "Time to make the donuts." Like just do it. And then you once you, like you said, you start doing it. It's like exercise. You start. You want. You'll do more. If you don't start, you won't do any. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things too, it's interesting because sometimes during, especially times like this or just periods of time of a lot of stress, I think people forget to have fun also, right? I mean, that's a yeah. part and you've got to really, you know, you've got to take stock in what you're appreciative for and, and grateful for and the things that you have, even, you know, being able to, I was outside yesterday, it was beautiful and, you know, playing, hanging out with my kids. And I'm like, wow, th this is, this is great. As crazy as things are just to be able to, to spend a little downtime. Um, and you've always done that. I mean, you've always, you've always brought fun to the environment, even during yeah, crazy times, you know, we used to goof around with each other and jokes and <laughs> practical jokes and all kinds of stuff. I mean, that, how important is that? I mean, when you think about, especially the, the more serious or tenuous times, how important is bringing the fun into it? Oh, big time. I, um, I always have said I work really hard and I play hard, you know, um, try to have fun. Um, you know, tonight, in fact, we're having dinner tonight with, um, a couple we're friends with better live in St. Louis. I'm in, we're in Florida, they're in St. Louis and we're going to have dinner together. Um, albeit on, uh, you know, the zoom or something, but you know, we've got it planned. Uh, we will have the table set their table in their house ours, and we're going to have dinner together. Like we would have, if we were together. Um, so it's, it's absolutely important. Um, and then if you want to talk about practical jokes, um, do you want the audience to know some of the jokes that we played on you? <laughs> yeah, sure. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this goes back to, I'm going to say close to 20 years, <clears throat> maybe a little less. <clears throat> John got a new, gorgeous new car at the time. Um, and uh, we were all probably secretly jealous of it, but um, but we we're so happy for John. And so we started playing practical jokes on him with his car. And um, 
you know, he would park it out in the parking lot away from everybody's car. So naturally, what would, what would be the smartest thing to do would be to park it an inch off of his door. So he had to climb in the passenger <laughs> side to get his car. Uh, and let's see, I think we wrapped it in toilet paper one day. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure we made it look like your windshield had a, a big, um, uh, a big uh, a golf ball come through the windshield yeah. and break it. And then you hid my car. You hid my car. That's right. We took keys. We hid your car. Yeah. We we took your keys. We moved your car so you couldn't find it when you left um, late at night from work. And that was right after I got it. I remember, well, I remember funny two things that happened. One is I just got it and somebody called me and, and said, uh, I'm calling about your car you have for sale. I'm like, I don't have a car. Oh, that was, that was us. <laughs> and we, I, we, we put a like, for sale sign in the window. Oh, it's so funny. I'm like, I'm like, I just, I literally just got my car. I'm not selling it. And they, they said, oh, I saw a sign on there for sale. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and he described my car. So I knew it was my car. And then uh, I oh, think a your car. couple of nights, I had worked a late day. I think I came out of the office. It was like nine o'clock at night, dark parking lot. I mean, obviously not a whole lot of parking, not a whole lot of cars in the parking lot at that time including mine. my It's gone. I'm like, where'd my car go? I'm panicked. I'm like, oh my God, I just got this thing. Somebody stole it already. I can't believe this. And then I happened to look all the way down. I mean, this parking lot was huge. And I remember looking all the way down at the other end and I saw my car was like a little dot, like so far away. I'm like, I, I think that's my car. How? Do... And then I uh, found out you guys had moved. That was a riot. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. But you know, it was great. I mean, that was like, you know, that, that those were tough, stressful days at times, but that always, oh, that just like changes everything, you know, it's just Yes, fun. it does. Yeah. And I think that it's important, you know, um, we even try to do it today, even in these times, John, is just make sure there's a little bit of fun, um, you know, whether it's, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think, what did we do? I did some trivia on a leadership call um, uh, last week, you know, just something different so that people can have a little bit of a smile. Um, I think this week we're going to try to do Name That Tune you know, five or 10 minutes at the beginning of a call. It just goes a long way to having people feel human again. That's great. You know what, honestly, and I think people appreciate that now more than ever, right? I mean, that's just, you can't take yourself too seriously. You've got to bring fun into every time, even tough times. And that's when people appreciate it the most, you know, that's, it's easy to get, it's easy to kind of, you know, get, get negative and, uh, you know, get into a dark place sometimes when things are tough. So I, I, I think yeah. that's fantastic that you do that. You know, we've all been through tough times when you think about it and you play back your life. There's been different periods of time where you've been challenged. You've had something you've had to kind of deal with. At the time, it feels like it'll, it'll just, you'll, you know, it's going to be so hard to get through it. And then as you sit here and think back, they seem like next to nothing. We got through it. We, we don't even know how we got through it. We just, we just did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're resilient people. Um, I think I shared with you, I walked outside this morning and I, and I saw um, flowers, you know, there's, it's, it's, um, flowers are blooming everywhere. These small, delicate, gorgeous colored flowers are blooming. And it made me appreciate as the sun rose this morning that, uh, you know, there's a new day and every day is a new day for us to um, appreciate because, because, because we're here. Mm-hmm. and it's a gift and those flowers are blooming and that means things will go on mm-hmm. you know so if i just look at those there's beauty in the world mm-hmm. 
That's a great perspective. You're right. You know, it's the little things, the simple things that give you a lot of hope. And uh, that's what you got to draw from. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, one other thing I wanted to ask you, and I know we're running short on time. What, you, uh, you've also been through a lot of change. This is a period of change. You've led a lot of people through change. What might be one or two things that you think great leaders do to help people navigate through change? I think um, great leaders um, lead, number one. And sometimes that is giving people the ability to see past, just like we were just talking about seeing past the, the current circumstance. Um, so, you know, you have to have built the culture. You have to have had the vision. You have to do trust. And you, all that has to be there. But great leaders... I really believe do a couple things. They one develop other great leaders, um, and you know you know of them because they've been able to do that. Um, people that are just leaders, managers that that are that are that are managing, aren't really able to develop other people to lead. Um, so I think a great leader um, can do that. Can establish a culture even in difficult times. And I think they can also continue to develop other people. I think that's, that's, a, that's really important. Yeah. That's, that's a mark of a great leader, right? They leave, even if they get promoted and move on, they've got someone there that's, that's ready to take over, right? That's a sign of great leadership. You've invested yeah. in other people and developing them. Yeah. You know, when I was, when I, you know, I'm going to go back a number of years, but you know, there was a time when it was important to be the one recognized to be the one, um, you know, to get the, to get the kudos. And I found myself over the years wanting to let it be other people on my team, you know, where I raised their visibility. Um, I, I, um, I raised their own awareness of the circumstances and how to handle situations, uh, but mostly because it will benefit them. Like I said, there's a time when I probably needed that attention, you know, going back at, you know, to a couple of, you know, decades earlier, but today I find what's more important to me as a leader is to get those people around me that I'm leading, um, more exposure, more recognition, um, so that they can go forth and lead. That's and one more other thing. It's really important, um, to pay it forward. You know, it's really important to help other people. Um, and when you get to a point where you can, to pull other people up. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Great points. I would love to talk to you all morning because I have still so much I want to ask you about, but this has been fantastic. Really, really valuable. Um, and just for the sake of time, we'll, we'll wrap, but are there anything, anything else that you want to share with the audience, anything that you think is important, whether it's leadership related or not? Um, I would say the right now it's a perfect opportunity to set a personal challenge, um, and help, help, help. Let's help each other. Um, we could all use it. Awesome. Well, Renee Sherman, thank you so much for joining. You have been fantastic. And I love thank not you, only John. the words of wisdom, but the great stories and 
you're uh, you're still the same person you've always been, even better. <laughs> I have way more stories too, so um, I hope we get to do this again. Yeah, we'll do thanks part two me. some point. <laughs> so, <laughs> There's more. Thanks for joining, uh, and thanks everybody for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader. Lots of great, great takeaways. Check us out not only on the podcast audio, but also on YouTube, and make sure you hit subscribe, uh, give a thumbs up, comments, share. We appreciate everything you do. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks, Sean.